0: Come on. The strong, the powerful Tom Hegna has returned to lifeblood. Welcome back, Tom.
1: Hey, George. Great to be back.
0: Tom is a retirement expert. He's an economist, a best selling author, a top international speaker. He's had a multi billion dollar impact in the retirement industry. And he's the 2020 Flagstaff Ranch Club Champion. I'm excited to have you back on, Tom.
1: It's good to be back.
0: Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think last time I told people I'm originally from a small town of Minnesota, went to North Dakota State University on an Army ROTC scholarship. I was commissioned in the military, spent six years active duty Army, 16 and a half Army Reserve retired as lieutenant colonel in 2006. I was in the insurance industry for about 30 years. I was an agent, a manager, a national marketing manager, a senior executive officer. I went out on my own in 2011. I've written five books on retirement. I have a PBS TV special that played in 80 million homes in the US and Canada. As you mentioned, I like to golf. I, I uh, kind of took the summer off, did a trial retirement the last couple summers really worked on my golf game, and I did win the club championship. I'm the oldest club champion in course history, and that's kind of cool for me. That's, that ranks among one of my best life events, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, I love it. All right. So we live in a very dynamic time, but what are your thoughts? What is sort of top of mind for you right now? What are you thinking about?
1: Well, you know, I've, I've developed a new presentation. I, I was asked by a couple companies to do a presentation on financial wellness, and as i was researching financial wellness i found that financial wellness is is tied directly to physical wellness your health your emotional wellness and your mental uh, wellness so like it's it's a big deal but financial wellness sounds boring so i retitled the the presentation who w- who wants to be a millionaire and now i teach millennials how to become millionaires i believe anybody in america who wants to be can become a millionaire
0: nice So financial wellness, it's kind of a a stuffy, kind of used-up topic. So I like it. Who wants to become a millionaire? And the idea being that anybody who really wants to can become a millionaire. Do you think that that, that, that when you you say that, that that that's well-received? Or are there people out there who don't believe that to be the case?
1: Well, I mean, people are curious about it. They they say, "How they, can that happen?" But I mean, a twenty-five year old who puts a hundred dollars a month away uh, into, you know, uh, an investment that that earns twelve percent will be a millionaire uh, within forty years. Uh, if they only get nine percent, it would take a little over two hundred dollars a month to do it. If they get six uh, percent, it would take about five hundred dollars a month to get there. But I mean, you you can get there every one of your listeners is going to earn millions of dollars over their lifetime. See, that's what most people don't realize. Even if you're only making 50,000 a year, that's 3.7 million over a 40-year career. It's 5.6 million over a 50-year career. If you can make 100,000, it's 7.5 million over 40 years and 11.2 million over 50 years. So so anybody, you know, everybody's going to make millions. It, that's not the question. The question is how much of that are you going to keep?
0: So what is, is, is it possible just to break things down to the most basic that like, here, here's what you need to do in, in, in order to become a millionaire, to become wealthy?
1: Yeah. So, so I talk about the three phases of wealth. The first phase is building wealth. That's my, who wants to be a millionaire, but then you got to protect your wealth. That's who wants to stay a millionaire. And then there's distributing wealth. Who wants to live and give like a millionaire? Now I've spent my whole career focused on protecting wealth and distributing wealth. And so this building wealth is, is, is a new thing for me to really talk about. But there are really three phases to building wealth. First of all, you need to make money, and, and I would argue you should try to make more money. you want to become very good at whatever you do, whatever you are. If you're the plumber, be the best plumber in the town. you know, if, if you're a, a truck driver, have the best truck driving record and be the most efficient truck driver on the road. And, and so part of it is being really good at what you do so that you be so that you make more money. Then number two, You want to spend less money. You always got to spend less than what you earn. And most people are spending everything they earn. And some people spend more than what they earn. So, so it's about self-discipline. And I, and I, and we'll get into detail on how to spend less money. And then number three is to invest in appreciating assets. See, most people put their money in cars and boats and RVs and jet skis and four-wheelers and iPhones and iPads and computers. Every one of those things is a depreciating asset. It goes down in value every single day. You're never going to become wealthy in America if you buy all these toys and have all these toys that go down in value every day. The way you get wealthy is to put your money into appreciating assets.
0: That, That makes sense. So, number one, whatever you do, do it well earn as much money as you possibly can. Number two, spend less than you earn. And yeah, I think that COVID probably hasn't helped with that, but depending on what you read, 70 to 80% of us are living paycheck to paycheck or even going into debt. So how, do we, how, how, how are you thinking about helping people to do a little better job
1: at that? Okay, so let's take them one at a time. As far as making more money, there's this Japanese um, concept of Ikigai and and all ikigai is there's there's four circles and it. It, it 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 helps you determine what is your passion what you're good at you know what your profession should be what your mission should be so number 1 what do you love to do that should be the first circle number 2 is what are you good at doing that's the second circle then the third circle is what does the world need from you that's the third circle and then the fourth one is what can you get paid to do so what are you good at, what do you love to do, what does the world need, and what can you get paid to do? And when you find the intersection of those four things, that's called ikigai, and that's the, that's the sweet spot. If you can do something you're good at that you love to do that the world needs and that you get paid for, that's kind of the secret formula there. And, and I'll just use me as an example. So when I went out on my own, I focused on retirement income. All right, there's 78 million baby boomers. They don't know how to retire. I've done the research on the math and science how to do it. So I I know what I'm doing there. I'm I'm fairly good at doing that. The world needs what I'm doing and I get paid to do it. So like I've kind of found that. The other thing is I've shared with people what I call the secret to success. Um, Whenever you get a job, you wanna go to work early, you wanna stay late and you always wanna do more than what you're paid to do. Because if you do that, you then become the most valuable worker at the company. You're going to get promoted faster. You're going to get paid more than all the other people that come to work late. They try to leave early and they do as little as possible for a paycheck. Those people are a dime a dozen. You want, you don't want to be a dime a dozen person. You want to be the person that gets there early, stays late, does more than what they're paid to do. Now, George, let me tell you a quick story. So I got four kids and my number two boy, Sean, when he was like 17, he was applying for a job at this uh, tennis resort in Fountain Hills, Arizona. And, and he was applying to be in the uh, – in the locker room and be a locker room attendant giving their keys and their towels and all this stuff and he said dad i'm not going to get hired there's like 20 people applying for this job most of them in their 20s and 30s i'm 17 why are they going to hire me i said sean you go in there you tell them that your dad was a lieutenant colonel he's in the army he's been tough on you your entire life and he taught you the secret secret to success you're going to come to work early (laughs) you're going to stay late and you're always going to do more than what you are paid to do he did that you know what the guy who was interviewing him did? He closed the book. He says, "You're hired." I'm ending all <laughs> interviews. You're my you're my person, and he hired him on the spot. Cause think about it. If you've hired people, sure. wouldn't you want somebody to come work early, stay late, and always do more than what they're paid to do? Hundred percent. You know, Benjamin Frank or um, not Benjamin Franklin. Abraham Lincoln said, "Whatever you whatever you are, be a good one." Hmm. You know, be good at what you do. And I, I, you know, when I was in the army, I always told my soldiers, "It's fun to be good." and it's just as easy to be good as it is to be bad because to be bad you you got to be lazy got to like mess things up people are managed it's no fun to be bad it's fun to be good and so i would always try to 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 be better at what i am and then i say this there are riches in niches find your niche it will make you rich so you don't necessarily want to be a general all things to all people you want to be an expert in one area where you are known as the expert in that area that's how you make a lot of money
0: makes sense i love it ikigai never even heard of that tom so thank you
1: well and and then i say most americans could be millionaires except for two things number one they spend way too much money on their cars and number two, they get divorced. Hmm. So the moral to this story is you should drive a used car and stick with your first spouse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> such, a, such a big part about being effective, and, and you know this better than, than 99.9% of the people out there, is to take difficult concepts and really make them easy to understand. So, so there you go. Drive a used car and stick with who brought you.
1: Well, let me kind of dig into that because step number two is to spend less money. Now, I'm, I don't mean don't live a good life. I don't mean mm. don't drive nice cars. I don't mean any of that. But 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 it's it's being wise with your dollars. So let me use an example. I th- I said you know most people spend too much money on their cars. It's the number one reason I think most people aren't millionaires. So I'm going to use an example of myself with the last truck. I like to buy nice trucks. I buy Ford F150s. I like to get the Lariat or the Platinum. I like to get the top shelf one. It's got all the leather and all the nice stuff. But I don't buy it brand new. So I was going to buy a, a truck this, this last year, and I could have bought a 2021 pickup for, I think it was like, I don't know, 65, 70,000. Let's just say 65,000. Or I could buy a 2019 pickup with 13,000 miles for 30,000. So if I bought a truck that was two years old with 13,000 miles, I got it for 35,000 less than buying brand new. Now, if I took that 35,000 and invested that money at 6%, in 40 years, that would be worth 383,000. If I could get 8%, it would be worth 849,000. And think about this, George. That's one vehicle. Now I'm married. I got four kids. I bet we've had I don't know 13, 14, 15. Ve- I don't even know. I'd have to go back and look through my yeah. insurance, but I'm sure over four, 30, 40 years we've had 13, 14, 15 vehicles. And I'm talking four, five, six, eight hundred thousand dollars of additional money that I'll have in 40 years if I would just buy that two-year-old car. And so that's millions of dollars right there that I have that other people don't because they buy a brand new car and then two years later they trade it and get another brand new car and then two years later they trade it and get another brand new. That's the dumbest thing to do.
0: Yeah, people just, you know, just not thinking of it that way just think, ah, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a payment or whatever it might be. But when you think about it in terms of 20, 30 years, it is to your point, hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially.
1: And 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 that's just cars. I mean, it's the same thing with boats and jet skis. You know, mm-hmm. you see these bumper stickers: "He's who's got the most toys when they die wins," or something. No, you're you're, you're screwing your future self. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I get a kick out of these millennials because they always say YOLO, you only live once, so we got to go out <laughs> and do it. I say it's not YOLO, it's yo-yo. You're on your own, baby. Mm-hmm. And I say the only person that's going to take care of your older self is your younger self, and people don't realize that. And and so you know Gary Gary V puts it this way Gary Vaynerchuk I don't know, he said people lose because they want things fast when life is long you mm. know and 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 you've got to take care of your future self and you're the only one that can do it. The faster people
0: realize that, the better, for sure. All right, so, and and then so spending less than you earn being a good steward and it's not you know to your point it's not like like we're taking a vow of poverty we're not becoming monks here you can no. still have really nice things it's just make a little better decisions
1: well and George you know a part of being really good at something is if you're in a company, many times if you're good at something, you get rewarded with trips. I got trips all over the world when I was in the insurance industry, and I didn't really have to pay for those trips. I earned them by being good at what I did. So we traveled. We, we lived in nice places. We've had nice houses, but I don't go crazy on stuff. And, and we, we all drive nice cars, but they don't have to be brand new. Nobody knows if you bought that car brand new or if you bought it two years old. And I think one of the things that hurts people really badly is they try to want to, they want to look wealthy. So they want to have this this brand new car. They want to have this expensive place. They want to go on these expensive trips. And the one thing that I think I was blessed with, I never had that gene hmm. where I cared about what if people thought I was wealthy. I didn't care what they thought about my wealth. I just wanted to become wealthy. That's what I focused on. So I focused on becoming wealthy. I didn't focus on impressing people, making them think I'm wealthy. And I think that's the problem, is that so many people want to look successful, they want to look like they're wealthy, they want to they look it, but they don't want to be it. I wanted to be it. I didn't care what I looked like, and and so maybe I'm just weird in that way, but I think most people are, are too focused on what people think of them when they should be focused on on, on becoming wealthy.
0: Yeah. Amen. So I'm sure that you're, at least, I don't know if you're paying attention or not, but I'm sure that you're very well aware of everything going on with, with, with GameStop and AMC and meme stocks and now Dogecoin and all that. I know. And I can absolutely identify, if I were 25 years old, Tom, I would be putting a lot of money into these because I wanted to get rich. And I think that this really, maybe it's a question of opportunity cost, or we're talking about if you're 20 years old or 20, put hundred bucks away or 200 bucks away and you will become a millionaire. Uh, but if it were me, I'd probably be putting that money into more aggressive or speculative or stupid investments. How do you counsel younger people to, to get their head right?
1: You know, it's really it's really scary to me because I, I I am on Wall Street bets and I watch this stuff and I and I every day I'm watching these young people say, hey, I got a hundred dollars, where should I put it? You know, <laughs> oh hey, my Dogecoin is up forty, you know, it's up over seventy cents. Oh now it's down to forty cents. Oh what do I do? And that's not investing. And what people need to understand that's speculating. You know. AMC is not going to be worth $500 a share. It's just not it. That's it. They're trying to squeeze the shorts and I get that. But, but this Dogecoin was, was, was built as a joke. All right. Now all saying all of that. I, I did put money in Bitcoin and, and, and I was a big non-believer in Bitcoin for years, you know, it's worth—it's nothing, it's just whatever, it, somebody else will pay for it. But I watched a guy in CNBC a couple of years ago lay out a believable case, for me, a non-believer of Bitcoin, lay, lay out a believable case that this thing could get to be 500,000 or a million dollars of Bitcoin. And all he said is that you know he's advising his wealthy clients to put 1% of their portfolio into crypto. Mm-hmm. And I said, 1%? I mean, I could put 1%. My account goes up and down more. Today it was probably down 10% or 9%. I I don't know, but it goes up and down more than 1% a day. So I said, if I lost 1%, I wouldn't even know it. So I put 1% of my portfolio into Bitcoin like mm. two years ago. That's now about 20 to 25% of my portfolio. I mean, it's the best investment I ever made in my entire life. But I, I didn't put all my money in there i put 1%, you know and and so you know these these kids who want to invest they should be investing they should be owning amazon and apple and google and facebook and and you know companies that are really making money that are doing things those are investments Dogecoin is not an investment, that's a speculation, that's like going to the casino and say hey I'm going to put a, a 10,000 bucks on red and spin the wheel and yeah you might win and you think you're smart but that's gambling and that's speculation. That's the same with Dogecoin, that's the same with GM, GME, that's the same with AMC. Those are not those are not investments and and that's the thing that these, these younger people don't understand is that there's a difference between investing and speculating. I'm not against speculating but with 1 or 2 or 3% of your portfolio, not with the whole thing. And that's what that's what these people are doing. And it's going to end very badly. And they're going to lose a lot of money. And, you know, everybody who's experienced in investing knows that but but they think that they're smarter than everybody else, I guess. I don't know.
0: Just part of the uh process of growing up, perhaps Tom.
1: Yeah, so so let me kind of cover maybe some <laughs> obstacles that yeah, people great. face. You know, um, number one, they don't have a plan. They don't. They haven't set out their priorities. They haven't. They haven't come up with a plan of how they're going to budget and spend and invest and save. Many people have too much debt, and that's bad because. Many of those credit cards are 20, 21 percent, 24 percent interest. You'll never get wealthy if you're in debt on credit cards. You're just not going to. Um, Many people don't have an emergency fund. You need to have an emergency fund. If your car breaks down, you don't want to to take money out of your investments, your long term investments. You need to have an emergency fund. Divorce. As I said, divorce can wipe up. I know a guy um, who was worth millions. Three divorces later, Mm. he is now trying to find places in Panama and Guatemala and places like that so he can survive with the money that he has left. Um, So, you know, you you really got to have a plan. And if you're married, you you both got to buy into it because what happens is in many couples, there's one saver and one spender. And and if you don't get the spender on board, it's not going to work. It's going to end in divorce or something. So like you you've got to look at the long term and say, hey, look, we can spend this money because now I now I'm finally spending money, but I saved and invested for you know thirty five years. Now I get to spend it because I'm in retirement. Um, but you you've got to look at the long term and and, and for couples, they both got to be on board.
0: That's such a reality, right? That all too often one is a saver and one is a spender um do you do you advocate just it's maybe is it to schedule time to just talk about money on a consistent basis? Is it just going through the exercise of going through the budget and looking back on cash flow? How do you counsel couples to be happy well,
1: and- you know i I really think it's important to work with a financial professional. Yeah. I just don't think it's a do it yourself project. I think yeah. you know too many people are trying to do this thing themselves and they 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 don 't see all the risks they have blind spots they they don't they don 't protect their wealth. You know I spend a lot of time talking about protecting wealth and then distributing wealth in retirement but but you even when you 're building wealth you 've got to put some protection in there you 've got to have some disability insurance in case you get disabled you've got to have some life insurance in case you die. You know th- there are things that in and in liability insurance, like if 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 uh, if you get in a car accident and somebody sues you and takes all the money that you've saved, how would you feel about that? so i have I don't just have high limits on my car and my home. I've got an umbrella policy of several million dollars because i I, I protect my wealth. so I you know i built it and I want to protect it, and i'm you know I'm working on distributing it to me and 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 uh, i I just think it, I just think it's so important to work with a financial professional. love it.
0: Well, Tom, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: Look, always spend less than what you make. Try to save and invest 15 to 20% of your income. And if you do that over a 25, 30, 35, 40-year career, you too can become a millionaire. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets a- come on. Come on.
0: Tom, thank you thank you so much for coming back on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you?
1: I'm pretty easy to find, TomHegna.com. My books are on Amazon. Books are on there. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. I'd encourage people to to connect with me. On Facebook, it's at TomHegnaSpeaks. And uh, I post a lot of fun stuff that's very helpful to people that can help them retire happy and successful.
0: Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Tom your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to TomHegna.com. That's T-O-M-H-E-G dot a.com and then find them on social media at Tom Thanks again, Tom. All right. Thanks George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.